Hello and welcome to Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Joining me today, we've got Ryan Owen, a UK Phillies fan. Ryan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. Relatively short notice, so the power of Twitter works again. Um, oh, yeah. Me sat around sort of looking at baseball nonsense at three o'clock in the afternoon paid off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we get stuck into it, the, one of the questions that we always need to ask for a UK based baseball fan is why baseball and why the Phillies? Uh, well, I'm a little bit naughty. I sort of uh, watched the NFL before baseball, actually, and I was a uh, Eagles fan, sort of randomly, the first team that I ever watched. Um, wound up going to summer camp out in the States, and one thing led to another, and I kind of figured out that baseball's way better than NFL anyway. So here <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's funny because the, the Rockies uh, fan we had on was similar. He He follows the Broncos heavily, and then that led to the Rockies. And I think he still has a love for both, but uh, it's good to hear that you've you switched across. And actually, you may not know this, but although I'm a Marlins fan, I'm also a, an LA Rams um, fan as well. So oh, there we um, go. There we go. Anyway, um, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of today, we're, we're going to just touch upon ahead of the, in effect, the, the Phillies series with the Marlins. We're going to look back at the offseason moves by the Phillies, of which there's been many. Um, I'm going to take some early thoughts from you on how 2019 shaping up, which I guess has been kind of peaks and troughs early uh, is probably one way to describe it. But then once we've covered that, we'll, we'll, we'll look ahead to the Marlins series, a three-game series starting, uh, starting tomorrow night as we, as we record this on, on Thursday. So a Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, matchup. Um, we'll also cover some fantasy bits and pieces. Um, you run Roto Tricks uh, on, on Twitter. So do you want to maybe... Let the listeners know exactly what you guys are about, what you're covering, what you're putting out there, and uh, where they can find you as well. Yeah, of course. Um, so Rototricks or www.rototricks.com is my website. Um, is a fantasy baseball website, and it's a UK-based. It's me. I've been doing this ever since I started watching baseball, but it's sort of gradually got a little bit more ridiculous and intense. And now I'm sort of starting October every year and start studying statistics. So I'm basically a sad act, um, but I enjoy it. And I decided to share my passion for that with other people. And there's rankings on the site and there's articles about sleepers and there's articles that are just a bit fun um and add a bit of a uk angle so hopefully people will like that if they're playing fantasy awesome well i know uh, there's plenty of the listeners that will be playing fantasy uh, so it'll be good to get some nuggets from you i guess a lot of the, a lot of the phillies players uh, that we'll talk about i'm pretty sure will be rostered uh, you know particularly that top that top six but hey there's going to be some questions that we're going to need to cover on now, less so the rotation but the bullpen i think is interesting the closer situation equally is interesting from a phillies perspective so we'll cover that later but we're going to start by looking back um 2018 uh ended up 80 and 82 third place in the nl east which when I look back at that, that surprised me. I forgot that you guys didn't actually 
make it over 500. I, I had in my head second place to the Braves a couple of games back. But actually, um, that wasn't the way it ended. And looking at the last 10 games, you guys finished. So down the stretch, you know, last 10 games, two and eight. Um, so um, it ended up a season full of promise. You guys were ahead of schedule, I think, particularly speaking to Dave uh, Dave Shaw, halfway through the year on the Batflips uh, podcast, he was he was absolutely loving life. Was so buoyant, was absolutely loving it, and rightly so. The Phillies were were, were doing great. Um, there was that. There was a worry and concern that there may be an element of tailing off towards the end, and actually that came to fruition. What, yeah. Was that it? Did you guys just run out of steam? Was that was that pure and simple? What happened? Uh, I think there was an element of that, but probably more so they were overachieving a little bit early in the mm-hmm. season. I mean, it wasn't a loaded hitting lineup for sure. Uh, there were a lot of young bats in there, and there were a lot of young pitchers as well um, in the starting rotation. So yeah. I think it was more just a case that perhaps they came out hot, and that lasted perhaps longer than people thought. Um, in the end, it just sort of fizzled out. Um, they probably came back to where they sort of probably should have been all season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was mainly a positive year. And I think that sort of carried through because it was a step forward from where we have been for whew, six or seven years now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, when I look at the, the splits, you know, 49 and 32 at home, but 31 and 50 away from home. So... You know, there's an area to to really target and focus on, and you know, it's it's timely to talk about your away record as we go into a you know a three game series at Marlins Park, tough place to uh, to play. So you know, that's an area that you guys will be focusing on for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was saying earlier that to Dave, who runs the UK Phillies account, that Marlins Park, in theory, is a, a pitcher's park, um, so it should be a lower scoring series than perhaps we've seen most of the series that almost every team in baseball seems to be in right now. I mean, the Cardinals yeah. are playing the Dodgers right now and it's about 11-8 or something ridiculous like that. So yeah. maybe Marlins Park will sort of bring a level of uh, normality back to baseball. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I- I'm, I'm mindful we just got beat a few days ago, 14-0, albeit that was um, uh, at the Reds' place. But, yeah, I guess it depends on who you're going to face. And um, there's, I know I think the Sunday game, you'll probably be back around to Urania, who's definitely started slow and given up a ton of runs. Uh, he was paired, so it was Urania Chen uh, the other day, which was the, the two combined give up, I think, 14 in total. So... Hey, if you get that, uh, there could be trouble again for us, but we'll see. Um, So, as we've gone into 2019, um, and where you guys currently stand is 7-4. and So, a decent start. Um, Started quick, but from an off-season perspective, before before we get into the start of this year, it'd be right for us to touch upon the main moves that you guys made, of which there were many, and they were some highlight moves for sure. Um, do you want to give us a quick run through as to what happened and, and how you saw the and how you saw the moves? Yeah, for sure. Well, the sort of headline one is Bryce Harper, although that came last um, and seemed to drag on all off season, as did Manny Machado, who wound up going to San Diego, of course. Mm. So that was a little bit of a drag on the off season, actually, and it was so late that it came in the end. Everyone was excited, but I think from an actual real life team perspective, it could have 
been helpful if that had been wrapped up quite a bit earlier, really. Um, yeah. But it's fantastic because that has solidified the sort of three and four slots in the lineup. Bryce and Reese, who's obviously already on board, Reese Hoskins. It's two power bats and two patient bats as well. So that just, I think that's key to any any lineup in baseball really being feared is to have those two big hitters at the very least at the centre of it. Yep. Of course, they made some other signings. They picked up Andrew McCutcheon, who's hitting leadoff right now. And that's nice because it's the first time since Jimmy Rollins, really, that the Phillies have had a leadoff hitter where you think, oh, this guy could, you know, open us up to a nice one nothing lead straight off the bat. So that's Which he nice. <laughs> Which he literally did in the first game, didn't he? That was, it was the that's first at-bat. Was it the first pitch? I don't know if it was the first pitch, but don't I can't I don't think it was the first pitch. Don't quote no. me. Um no. I was I was busy that day. I think I was flying that day actually, unfortunately. So I, I did miss the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry. Yeah, of course. Um uh, yeah, for those who don't know, you were you were over in the States and actually made it to game three, so That's right, freezing game three three. It was um yeah, it was an experience that I felt like I was Back in Yorkshire, watching Leeds United, you know it, it was uh, it was a bit much. Yeah, well, I feel the pain on that front, uh, being based in Leeds at the moment as well. So yeah, and yeah. I can tell you've got. Uh, I mean, not, no one, no one will be able to see this, but I can see you right now, and uh, it's what is probably one of the biggest Phillies hoodies I've ever seen in my life. It is. Uh, it's looking warm and it's looking big. So he's not telling you all that I'm big, by the way. The hoodie's just way too big for me. I just want <laughs> want to confirm that this isn't a size thing. Can we? Let's get back to the trades. Not my weight, anyway. So uh, <laughs> Gene Segura came over from Seattle in a trade. Um, that was an interesting one because they didn't really seem to give up too much. They, I think, Seattle were actually glad to be rid. There was some sort of I believe there was some sort of issue in the locker room with Gene Segura. And they, okay. they did take J.P. Crawford, who's been quite a high-level prospect, but hasn't, hasn't quite worked out anywhere um, yet. So to get Gene Segura there on a pretty reasonable contract as well was, was really, really useful. And he's hitting second in the lineup now. And they also made a trade then for, as you guys know, uh, J.T. Real Muto. So that Ooh. was, yeah. I've never heard of him. That that was <laughs> that was definitely the the most interesting in terms of what the Phillies gave up mm-hmm. because the Marlins did not get um, a load of rubbish from the Phillies for JT Realmuto. They they seemingly did quite well. Um, as you know, Jorge Alfaro is catching um, almost all week for the uh, Marlins right now and yeah. has got off to a nice hot start because. You know, he is a guy who has quite a lot of natural power. Um, so he is not useless whatsoever. In fact, I think he's a very good um, or at least above average catcher at the MLB level. And yeah. perhaps more importantly, they picked up Sixto Sanchez, who was the Phillies sort of prime starting pitching prospect um, and has some pretty filthy stuff, actually. So. I think if he stays healthy, he could prove to be a very, very nice addition for sort of you guys who are rebuilding. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from what I've seen from Alfaro, didn't know much about him uh, before the season started. Hadn't seen masses of him. What I read was powers there, strikeouts are there. Um, so hey, I guess that's a standard trade-off. But 
I've been really impressed with him, actually, early doors. Uh, three home runs, all opposite fields. Um, <laughs> we recorded our Marlins uh, weekly review podcast last night, and something I, <laughs> I had to flag on that was um, the fact that he was caught stealing the night before, uh, which, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened there. I didn't actually see it. it was actually, I was actually listening to it on Marlins radio, uh, driving back from, from Anfield, from the Liverpool game. And, uh, yeah, had, all I heard was, oh, and there he goes, there he goes. He's, he's looking to steal second. I thought, this is not going to end well. You know, I, <laughs> I, knowing the way Alfaro's built, he, I don't think he's there to steal uh, second for Look sure. He's going on about weight again, dearie. I know. Me. I come on this podcast and me and Jorge Alfaro have been absolutely rinsed. Yeah, I, it's it's obviously uh, a bit of a confidence issue for me. I'm, I'm piling on the pounds early. Yes. You know, the, nice. the baseball season started. There's peanuts all over the house. The IPAs are flowing. It's, uh, you know, I, I can tell baseball's here. But anyway, well, you're right. Alfaro's been impressive early doors. I've not seen, we've not seen Sixto yet. It's going to be interesting, but hey, listen, you guys, Riamuto was awesome for the Marlins for the last couple of years. His trajectory's been up. It continues to be up. I think he will be absolutely awesome away from Marlins Park um, with you guys. Part The park change will just even, will take it to another level, I think. And I think in that lineup, he's been batting five yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's batting fifth behind Reese Hoskins. Yeah. So I mean, you look at that lineup there for you guys, McCutcheon leading off, Segura, Harper, Hoskins, Ria Muto, Herrera down at six. They're the kind of locked in six. It's one hell of a scary lineup when you look at it. Yeah, it is, and that that's that's been noticeable. You know, they've won seven and lost four. Um, not everything's been pretty. They've had some losses, uh, bullpen meltdowns, and given up runs with some of the starters. But what has shone through throughout the whole thing is that the lineup's deep and the lineup's patient, and the lineup has power. So mm. you have those three things going for you. Um, in what seems to be definitely a hitter's paradise right now, Major League Baseball. So that that helps you. You sort of give yourself a chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the player that's impressed me most. Having watched quite a bit of the Phillies last year, and I've seen a few of the games this year. I've been just interested, and I've had that extra level of interest because naturally Bryce is there, so is Riamuto. Interested to see how they get on. The player for me that is flourishing because of those guys is Reese Hoskins. Um, my my take on it is all of a sudden he doesn't have to be the man and just being you know part of the lineup i think is really helping i think he's batting with freedom at the moment i think it's really showing and also is he is he playing outfield this year or is he actually playing first base no he's back to first which probably yeah. is not a bad thing for him mentally either so that yeah. helps me too what's your take on hoskins thus far well i'm he is my favourite player, Reese Hoskins, um, and he, I've sort of followed him ever since he came up through the minors. Because all the way through that, he was sort of hitting thirty home runs in Double A, thirty-five home runs in Triple A, and there always seemed to be a bit of an an asterisk next to him for some reason. And sort of prospect people in the fantasy community would say, "Yeah, but he's quite old for this level, and he should be doing this, or this is a hitter's ballpark, and this is a guy that's just come straight up, drafted in the fifth round in 2014, a little bit old, 
for for a prospect, and he's batting cleanup for the Phillies, and it's because mm. he's got legitimate power, and he's got a fantastic batting eye. And I do agree with you about him not being the man per se. Um, perhaps on a more sort of practical level, it's also because they have to pitch to him now because mm. when they get to Harper, they're up. They even intentionally walked Bryce in one just to get to Reese and so then they're going to have to give him something to hit in the zone because they're trying to get him out um, and they can't often there's so many people on base before him and they can't risk walking Harper and Hoskins to give Real Muto two guys on base exactly from memory that's how it went game one wasn't it with the Braves they 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 walked Harper to load the bases and brought Hoskins up and then he hit a grand slam was that right and that is absolutely right. Yeah, it was a nice day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there you go. That emphasised the... I mean, load the bases up for Hoskins to come up. That just seems crazy in itself. Um, so I'm not sure yeah, there, w- there was an open base, but um, I, don't, I don't really know why you would sort of allow the other team to just have an extra free run. I, I don't understand. Strange. Yeah, it, it wasn't like the pitcher was coming up, was it? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, that was a, it was an odd decision, but one that we'll take in Philly land. And Hoskins loved it. Yeah, he loved it. I just had a quick look to see the walks um, thus far this year. And unsurprisingly, Bryce leads the way. 13 walks for you guys. Uh, but then there's a cluster of the next guys. Hoskins at 10, Franco at 10, um, and McCutcheon 11. So, yeah. yeah, no surprise that, that those... Actually, Franco started quick as well. He's had four home runs, seven ribeyes, so he's... Yeah. Ribeyes, look at that. You're, are you on to food? This fantastic. I'm getting hungry, ribeyes. <laughs> um, Ma- Michael Franco, um, he, he's interesting because he does have some power, but he's got, I was, he's got walks, but a lot of those, I do have to sort of say, are coming because they're getting to a position where if they do walk him or sort of pitch around him, the next guy is going to be the pitcher. So hitting eight is actually sort of helping his statistics a little bit in that regard. But no, he's had a great start. I'm not sort of saying he hasn't, but it's just an interesting little thing that he's actually getting more warps than perhaps he normally would for that reason. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And I I suppose that's why his... His ribeyes are uh, are up as well. He's he's coming in with more guys on on base too. And I suppose Herrera, he was batting what two three in the lineup for you guys last year, and had a real good streak as well. Yeah, um, Herrera was. This is the thing. People like Herrera were sort of being asked to hit third or to hit second, and yeah. Now, they're not bad bats, but they're not sort of really scary, potentially sort of 25 home run bats or anything Mm. like that. So to have those guys that are talented, like Herrera, Hernandez, Franco, all at the bottom of this lineup sort of shows you how deep it is now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, it's not all 100% positive, I think, thus far. And I I want you to put your... Well... You'll know this well because of the fantasy interest you have. It's fair to say Nick Pavetta had some extreme fantasy buzz going into the season as a you know potential breakout, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are you are you concerned about what you've seen from Nick Pavetta early on? 
Um, yeah, well, I am in the sense that he doesn't seem to have quite learned how to control his fastball, um, which is a shame because if he can get the fastball over or put it where he wants to put it, his curveball is such a great strikeout pitch um, that that's when he really sort of gets going. Um, but there are some control issues, and it is a shame that he hasn't figured that out, and he hasn't sort of figured out how to include a third pitch, um, a change-up or whatever. So that that's hurting him. But that's not to say, just to sort of add a bit of fantasy in, that he's <laughs> definitely a bust because you have to be careful. <laughs> you really do. I can't stress this enough to anyone playing fantasy. Is we're two weeks in. We've played 10 games. There's 150 to go. Um, that... that really has to tell you to sort of have to play the long game and this isn't a sport for reactionary people really if you're reactionary you you probably want to go and watch a different sport and definitely don't play baseball uh, fantasy baseball well that probably explains a lot about my performances in the past <laughs> few years I, actually there's some there's some typical challenges i face i get to the lower the, you know the later rounds and then i start you're in panic mode in the in the latter rounds so then i start picking players i know so i end up with you know uh, jose arania as one of my uh, starting pitchers so am i have i been too quick to drop arania because i dropped him after the first start actually no you never should have drafted him in the first (laughs) place (laughs) no you should have asked me this before the season um no definitely not um well I think a little differently about pitching. I like strikeouts, and Arena doesn't really have a track record of striking anyone out at a good rate. So um, he's not ideal for fantasy purposes, shall we say. I know. I knew that. But... <laughs> You're a Marlins fan. You were having fun. I was. You, you've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, so the rest of the rotation, um, Pivetta aside, what's... What's it been shaping up like early doors? I mean, we're two. Are you two times around, or maybe slightly? Yeah, just you've yeah. been around twice, just over. Yeah, we've been around twice, but Vince Velasquez was skipped the first time round, just from the way that the fixtures sort of landed, the schedule landed. So Vince has only pitched once so far. The guy who's actually started really well is the guy that most people don't know um, outside of Philly land, which is Zach Eflin. Um, he's an interesting guy because he was sort of the guy that was wanted by Baltimore if they were going to give Manny Machado to the Phillies for the back end of last season. Um, and Philly actually said, no, we we don't want to trade this guy, actually, for half a season of Manny Machado. So they fizzled off and he wound up going to the Dodgers, of course, and the Dodgers still didn't win the World Series because they're the Dodgers. But the point is that Zach Eflin has started really nicely. So, mm. yeah, there's been some disappointments, but the... We're we're early doors and we're seven and four, so I'm not gonna sort of start crucifying any of the players yet. <laughs> well, we're gonna see we're gonna see him on on Saturday. It looks like he looks like he's matched up with Caleb Smith, so that'll be that'll be nice. Uh, what's is Eflin? Is he strikeout guy? Is he innings eating? What's what's his mo? I don't know much about he- it to be honest. He isn't a guy, certainly from a fantasy aspect, that you're going to expect to rack up loads and loads of strikeouts. Um, although, having said that, coming up, he seems to be getting better at that, and his his sort of secondary pitches have improved and are starting to get people to whiff now. Um, so he's actually a little bit of a late bloomer in that sense. Um, okay. He 
he's a guy that if he, he figures it out, he can be very useful fourth starting pitcher. So um, yep. yeah, we're we're happy with how that one's looking. Yep. Well, sounds well. We'll we'll take a, a good look at him. We've got Jake Arrieta. Ar- Arietta on the Friday against uh, Alcantara, so that's going to be a nice matchup. Actually, there's a lot of a lot of buzz around Sandy, particularly after his first start against the Rockies, where he went eight um, scoreless, and had to be honest, he could have done he could have gone nine, but they they shut him down. But it was a real sharp performance. Had a tougher outing against the Braves in what is uh, yeah tough tough lineup against the Braves, but he got himself out of some jams actually, which was really impressive to see from the young pitcher. He, he had bases loaded, back-to-back innings, got out of it. Um, you know, he, he finished his day. The Marlins were two 0 down, but actually, it could have been ten nil. You know, if if his head went down and things didn't go his way, and then we came back and Alfaro hit a couple of bombs, and we ended up taking that one four two. So, you know, that was it's going to be interesting to see. And then, yeah, we're back round to Arrania on the Sunday. So, from what we've seen thus far, that could be a that could be a tough matchup. Um, for us, uh, <laughs> we will see. But one thing I wanted to get your take on, um, be it with your fantasy head on, be it with your Phillies head on, is what's what's the bullpen looking like for the Phillies at the moment? And what's the closer situation? <laughs> what closer situation? <laughs> I don't, we don't even use the word closer in Philly. Gabe Kapler doesn't like it. It's a dirty word, I think. He just sort of <laughs> throws out whoever he, he spins his coin and sees which way it lands and goes with that guy. Um, it's different because we're having the sort of nice fans are trying to be open-minded. Um, not the nice fans, but the fans who are sort of a, trying to give Gabe a bit of a longer leash instead of um, going after him because it got a bit nasty at times last year because Gabe Kapler's, he is a little bit different. He speaks a little differently about the game and he's open about how he analytically assesses the game and so do his, the people around him. So, I don't know what his process is for sort of electing his chosen of chosen closer of the night. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure anyone quite knows what it is, but one way or another, he figures it out. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, he gets a lot of grief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I seem to remember. Uh, again, it was just coming back to the bat flips pod last year with uh, with all of us on the half year review I think Hector Norris had just he was just blowing up big style at that point there was so many blown saves it was, it was ridiculous but I think actually Norris then towards the back end of the year 2018 actually I think he went did he did he go was he did he go down then come back up and actually that's then right. started to produce again yeah that's right they sent him down and he tried to figure some things out mainly with Hector Norris he has a really nice splitter that um gets people to swing through um if that isn't working for whatever reason he struggles because his fastball's very hittable so um right. Right. yeah he's 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 not a bad pitcher actually and his statistics are quite decent um but he's one of those that can blow up. So if he needs to figure that out before Gabe's going to go to him every single night, I think. Yeah, and it sounds like you're not gonna you're not gonna have a designated closer as such um, potentially. Um, what's what about the darling of last year who appeared as well, Sir Anthony? Which I mean, what a name anyway. But um, <laughs> what's What's happened to him? It felt like it was a lot of love and a lot of buzz, and then he's maybe had a slow start this year. 
yeah, the Queen might want her knighthood back. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> he, he's not exactly... Uh, he's not shining early this year. and he, I, He's got some really good stuff. Um, again, the statistics are pretty good on him. So I don't think there's any reason for anyone to believe that he's sort of lost it or whatever. I think that we just have to take everything that we're seeing in the first two, three, four weeks um, with a little bit of a pinch of salt and hopefully... I'm looking at the bullpen now, and it, it, it on paper and statistically, it looks like it should be able to get a job done. I think so. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, and he's young, actually, Sir Anthony. He's only he's only 24, I think it's saying here. Youngest youngest pitcher anyway on the roster. Um, yeah, 25. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, looks to be the talent there to get the job done. Whether it does to be confirmed. Before we, just before we uh, move on, if um, would you take Kimbrel right now? If you can make a deal, maybe a one-year deal, would you take him? Hey, well, frame it as a one-year deal. I definitely take him. I think yeah. the Phillies would pay him anything for a one-year deal. Um, yeah. I think the problem is that he doesn't want a one-year deal. He wants a three or four-year deal. Um, yeah. So it's. I don't think. I just don't think the Phillies are going to want to do that. Um, They've had a bad experience with Jonathan Papelbon in recent years, and I don't think that's the position that you want to sort of commit financial dollars to, really. Yeah, it's a bit too volatile, isn't it? Kimbrell could go off the boil quickly, just as quick as anything. So Yeah, he's great. I mean, he is great. I think he's better than anything. I like David Robertson, actually, once he sort of settles down. But other than that, he's got he would have the best track record if he, you suddenly plonked him in the middle of the or at the back end of the bullpen, but I just don't see yeah. the Phillies doing it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that on that front. I mean, what are we, a couple of weeks in? Uh, seems like across, I mean, I'm only taking, I'm only using Twitter as my reference point here, so I've got to be careful in that, but it seems like things have quietened down on the Kimbrel and the Keiko front, which I guess kind of are the two major guys who are still out there, so... Hey, we'll see how it plays out. So, looking at looking across 2019 as a whole, what's what would you say success is for the Phillies this year? What's a good season for you guys? I think with what they've committed to it with the trades and the free agents, you'd have to say that they do want a playoff spot. I think that's fair. It might seem like a bit of a leap from 80 games to sort of 90. Um, or 92, whatever it might take, I don't know. Um, but I think that's what they'd like, and I think anything else would probably see Kapler and other people come under a bit of scrutiny in the off-season, shall we say. So I think they have to, even if it's a wild card, I think that's what is expected now, really. Yeah, the expectation is a playoff berth of sorts, whether that's as division winners or a wild card. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's not unreasonable. It's still quite a leap, um, but I think the talent's there. It is The NL is so competitive, and the NL East is particularly competitive, so you have to caveat that with being realistic. You're not guaranteed anything, but at least being sort of within a game or two, you have to be there or thereabouts, I think, when you've committed what they've committed. Yeah. Did you have a preseason projection for the Phillies in terms of wins and position? <laughs> um 
<laughs> I think I did on with Dave from UK Phillies. Dave is like the most positive, lovely, fantastic guy ever, and he predicts like 130 wins or something, and <laughs> the Phillies win the World Series without losing a playoff game or giving up a run, and you, life's great. And then I sort of go back into my own mind and predict like 87 or something, you know, so like far more conservative and miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, that's you've got to keep Dave grounded, I've found. I think that's that's the thing. You I know, think if you split me and Dave down the middle, you probably come to some semblance of reality somewhere. So that'd be fine. So sort of cut that down the middle and you end up at about 1992, hopefully. Yeah, I think I think 1992. I think anything beginning with a nine will probably get the job done for division winners this year in, in the NL East, being how tight it is. I mean, I don't think the Mets, the Mets look strong again if they keep healthy. I mean, they started strong last year and then they had issues with health which is standard and is their mo but um you know if they stay healthy there's four real strong teams there i think and i think 90 wins gets it done yeah i've kind of come i didn't think that the mets would be able to keep up but i've come full circle i know that i shouldn't sort of take the early goings too seriously but (laughs) i'm looking at Pete Alonso has he? He doesn't want to be known as Peter. I do want to stress he wants to be known as Pete. He's made that clear to the media, so I'll call him Pete. Um, he looks the real deal, and that's nice because they are getting that three four that I was talking about. There, they can sort of go with uh, Pete Alonso and Mister Conforto, um, and that's quite scary because they're two big power bats, and there's things around them. They've obviously got pitching, so I think that the Mets really, as sort of the early team, are surprised for me. But I think they'll be there as well. Yeah, but we've seen them once already as well. Uh, have you guys had the Mets yet? I can't remember if you have. No, that that's the series no. after the Marlins, actually. Oh, and I like Jeff McNeil as well. If there's any UK Mets, Mets guys on that, I actually sort of really like the team. I'm not allowed to say that as a Phillies fan, but I, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> we're, I mean, I've got a soft spot for the Phillies anyway, so I'm okay saying it. We're okay to share the love. We're, you know, we're <laughs> I know, I get a bit ahead of myself. I love Juan Soto from Washington as well, so... When I, and Victor Robles, I, I love these kids that are coming up and you yeah. know have really good skills, and it's exciting because we all love baseball at the end of the day. So that's what I like about the sport. You know, we love the sport first, and our teams. Yeah, I want them to win, but I, I just love the sport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just nice to watch guys playing well and teams playing well, and you just enjoy it for what it is. So. Um, often, unfortunately, that's the Marlins' opponents. I mean, <laughs> talking about the Mets, um, we've seen the Mets, and Degrom was absolutely incredible against us. I think it was seven innings, fourteen strikeouts, and also a home run from him. So I was saying to the guys last night, he's just taking the piss with that. He really is. That's yeah, he's the all rounder. He's doing a Freddie Flintoff. That's fantastic. But exactly. fortunately, we don't see him, I don't think, when we, well, at least as it matches up now, it'll be Matt Syndergaard and Wheeler for us against the Mets. So thank, yeah. thank the lucky thank stars. God. They're pretty yeah. good themselves, by the way. So <laughs> That's true. Um, okay, so a quick prediction for the series ahead. And before, actually, before we get into that, I think one other note really is Rio Muto back to Marlins Park, first time. Obviously, only a couple of weeks in, so um, I assume he'll get a good reception, and I'm pretty confident he will. 
I assume that Miami Marlins fans are not as awful as Washington National fans abusing Bryce Harper that way. I, I expect Miami to sort of give him a round of applause and offer him a cup of tea, you know. I think that's fair. Whether it's a tea, I'm not sure. It could be it could be a Corona light or something. Or... Don't be getting in drunk before the game, please. Thank you. I don't know. Loosen them up. Relax yes. the nerves or whatever. Um, How do I see yeah, the series I... going? I'll... Um... I think it's tougher than some Phillies fans think, actually. Um, especially the sort of first two pitchers who are interesting. I agree with you, Alcantara or Alcantara, um, and Caleb Smith especially, for fantasy purposes anyway. I'm really interested in Caleb Smith because he's got that... Is, it curve, is that curveball that he gets them with? I've, I have seen it. Is it a curveball? It's absolutely filthy, whatever it is. Yeah, he likes to get people swinging, so that's nice to see. So I think it... I don't think it's easy, but I do think that the Phillies' offense is far superior to the Marlins' offense, and, and you know that'll probably lead us hopefully to a, a two-one series victory. I think. Yeah, I having just finished up our our, our third game against the Reds and being swept by the Reds. I think you're uh, being slightly pessimistic there from a two-one. <laughs> Maybe conservative. Yeah, you're, you're conservative. You know whose podcast you're on. You can't come uh, in here guns blazing. Trying to make friends. I don't want to, you know, annoy exactly. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, I know you won't be back on this podcast again if, uh, <laughs> if you project if you predict the sweep. So, but yeah, I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if uh, we're swept in a sense back to back series there because, like you, I mean, the reality is the Phillies' offense is, oh, it's looking dangerous. But the I, I take. A bit of heart in the fact that um, baseball's a weird game. And also, your last game was a 15-1 defeat by the Nats. Okay, we're not the Nats, but... Um, I'm not coming know. back on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mentioning the 15-1. I thought we got away with it then. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. It's been... I've got I've got six pages of A4 notes here to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I think it's no. I, I like to predict two one to be honest because you you're right. Base, it's not easy. You know, it's not. We're gonna play play our division rivals eighteen times during the season, and mm. you know the Marlins are bound to take games off the Mets and off the Nationals and off the Phillies and off the Braves. Hopefully, more off the Braves. Can you take most yeah. off the Braves, please? We were struggling against the Braves a lot last year. I think our record was. I can't remember the top of my head, but maybe three and fifteen, something like that. It was really weak. They they had our number, and actually, uh, it almost carried on again in the start of this uh, season. But I think we were. I think we had a losing record to all of the NL East teams last year. Uh, I think the Phillies' record. I think it was eight and eleven against the Phillies um, last year. So it was close-ish. And actually, yeah, compared to the Braves, you guys were probably looking for a bit more than, you know, 8 and 11. Probably more like, yeah, similar to what the Braves had. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, Stanton was back last year at uh, Marlins Park with the Yankees. He got an incredible reception. It was really nice, actually. I watched. I stayed up to watch that game and that inning in particular live just to see it. He got a real reception. It was really nice. It was actually quite busy actually in the stadium um there's obviously attendance issues there at marlins park i'm pretty sure ria muto is going to get the same i hope he does i think he was really good for the marlins and it was great to watch him grow as a player 
and turn into an all-star and in effect in my opinion and I think a lot of people's opinion now the best catcher in baseball so I'd like I'm happy to see him kick on change a park and absolutely blow it up this year um how's he started actually we didn't cover that I don't know He's hit a homer, isn't he? He's he's off the mark on the home run front. Yes, he has. I don't think he's been sort of really hot with the bat yet. I think he's just struggled a little bit against the Nationals, I think. Um, But he's a nice addition, isn't he? I think he's, like you said earlier, the ballpark's an upgrade and he's hitting fifth behind Bryce and Hoskins. So the longer the season wears on and the weather gets a bit warmer, I think it's going to be nice for him. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. So you're going 2-1 Phillies. I think I said last night, even on the Marlins pod, I think I went sweep three 0 So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that three 0 Phillies. I think we're just heavily overmatched on this uh, on this scenario. Yes, it's at Marlins Park. Yes, a couple of our pitchers that are interesting, Sandy and, and Caleb, are on. Um, but I think we're just heavily overmatched. I'm gonna struggle. So I'm happy to be uh, I'm happy to be surprised um, and for us to to nick a few. Uh, if they want to nick them on a Sunday when I'm sat there watching it live, that would be even better. So <laughs> no problem with that. Um, awesome. Well, it's been great having you on, Rob. Um, or Ryan. What does it say, Rob, then? It's all right. Don't worry. I've, I've, I've had worse insults earlier on the podcast. So <laughs> just getting my name wrong isn't really a big deal. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, I'm going to put the IPAs down now. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, where can people find you on Twitter, first and foremost? Yes, so it's at Rototrix. Um, so that is the name of the website as well. As I said, www.rototrix.com, but all those details are on Twitter. Fantasy awesome. Baseball. If you have any questions or you want to talk about your team, even prospects, I mean, I spend an absolute, oh, way too much time. My fiance is an angel. I don't know how she puts up with it. I just reel through statistics and baseball reference. And yeah, so I, I do have a, sort of ridiculous knowledge of almost every team's prospect depth. So, yeah, happy to talk at any time. Fire away. Well, good. I'm going to include that on the intro for this episode um, when I share it out. I'm also going to send you my team that's in the competing league with Dave. Um, I'm, going to sh- I'm going to share that with you and let you see what dross I've got. Um, we'll probably beat Dave. I haven't even seen his team, but if it, <laughs> I, he's just they're all fillies, aren't they? Yeah, Dave's Dave's a bad spot. Yeah, he's, not, he's not looking great. He, we've actually we've done a bit of business early doors. Me and Dave, there was an early trade. He, we're in a uh, we're in a head to head points league just to set the scene. Yeah. Um, I he was sniffing around for for a closer. This is before the season even started. He was like, I'm desperate for a closer, desperate for a closer, and he drafted Brinson. So I said, listen. I'll do your deal here. I'll give you Pedro Strope for Lewis Brinson. And he said, yeah, that sounds good. Actually, that was probably a better deal for him on the face of it at that point than for me. Um, Strope's done absolutely nothing since. The Cubs haven't needed any closers, I don't think, <laughs> yet. So, and actually, I looked on earlier, and Pedro Strope is now a free agent in that league. So that <laughs> he's burned that one already. There you go. Have you dropped Brinson yet? That's the better point. It's got to be better outfielders on the wave wire. Problem is, it's a 19-team league. It's five <laughs> oh, outfielders. Really? 19. 19-team league, five outfielders. So Brinson's still a superstar yeah, that, in that Okay, comes. that's fine, yeah. That's he he fits sad. in that format. Sorry, I didn't know it was 19 teams. That's absolute insanity. 
I know it's it's tough. <laughs> so I don't know why he's dropping Pedro Strobe either. I'm sure he'll come back to deliver something. But anyway, we'll we'll maybe set up a separate fantasy podcast later down the line. That'll be fun as well. I know a lot of the listeners uh, would enjoy that as well. I certainly would. I'm really crap at it. Um, I am heavy. I'm quick on the trigger for players, but actually you're right. I shouldn't have drafted them anyway. So I'm right to get rid of Arania now. I shouldn't have drafted him. I was crazy. Who cares? It was fun. Yes. Drop me uh, any questions you want, Peter, anytime. You let me know. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks again, Ryan. There we go. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, get, it, get him at Roto Tricks. Um, for everyone else, uh, you can get me uh, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. That's it for uh, for this episode. We're looking forward to a, uh, a Philly sweep, maybe. Um, and until next time, we'll speak soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.